It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's going on? Welcome to the show. I appreciate you listening. Thanks so much. It is September 28th, 2020. The show is made possible by folks like Marlene, Lou, Yuri, Matt, Pamela, John, Tim, Krista, Lisa, Trent, Tavis, Nick, and Timbo. I appreciate all of the support. They became patrons to the program. And you can as well just by going to thepetecalendarshow.com, clicking on the link at the top. Uh, also, the links are in the description of the podcast. Um, if it seems like North Carolina is really, really, really important in this election cycle, it's because it is, what with all of the presidential trips and the uh, visits by Joe Biden, uh, all of the lawsuits getting filed, right? There is a lot of attention on North Carolina. It's been building over the last decade, and I think we are... uh, We're at critical mass right now. It's crazy. Uh, So we're going to get into some of the funding uh, and the organizations that are mounting this effort to flip North Carolina. Speaking of flipping, uh, when's the last time you flipped your mattress? Did it do anything when you did? The idea is that you flip your mattress to, you know, increase its lifespan and to make it a little bit more comfortable because, you know, where you were laying kind of sunk in. But if you're flipping the mattress like every other week or something, Chances are, right, that big crater in the middle of the mattress isn't going anywhere. You need a new mattress. Go to Mattress Man. It's where I went to get my mattress. Christy and I got our king-size memory foam mattress, and we love it. It's where one of our listeners, Manuel, he went and got his mattress uh, about a month ago. He bought it from the Mattress Man store in Hendersonville. He says, quote, they provided outstanding service at what I thought was a great price. Delivery and setup was done very professionally, as you mentioned on your podcast. So I appreciate Manuel uh, supporting a business that supports this show. And uh, you can as well go to any of their four stores, one in Hendersonville, it's where Manuel went, but also Asheville and Arden. They do ship nationwide and they have five-star local delivery service with a 120-day comfort guarantee. Uh, They've got a bunch of great deals going on. Uh, For example, the triple zero deal, zero down, zero interest for two years and zero payments for three months. You can pick up a free box spring with the purchase of a Biltmore mattress, which are uh, top-of-the-line mattresses. These are at the Biltmore in the hotel and in the inn, and uh, they're made by Restonic in Fayetteville. Quality mattresses. Also, free adjustable bases with the purchase of select mattresses. You can also pick up a queen-size gel memory foam mattress for just $3.99. Go to mattressmanstores.com to learn all about the deals, see their inventory, and experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. Of all the states up for grab in the coming presidential election, perhaps none is the center of more bare-knuckle brawling between Republicans and Democrats than North Carolina. At stake is more than the Tar Heel state's 15 electoral votes, but the integrity of the country's elections. And if the left gets its way, North Carolina could be transformed into a progressive stronghold for years to come. This is the summary of a six-part series by Hayden Ludwig. He is an investigative researcher at the Capital Research Center. That website is capitalresearch.org. And Hayden joins me now. Welcome to the program, sir. How are you? Great. Glad to be with you. Thank you. Absolutely. So uh, first off, uh, I always ask folks whenever I talk to somebody from an outfit that I'm not up to speed on, tell us a little bit about what is the Capital Research Center and what do you do with them? That's right. So the Capital Research Center is based in Washington, D.C. We've been around since the 1980s, and we are America's investigative think tank. So unlike other big think tanks in D.C., we don't produce policy papers. Rather, we want to better understand the flow of money into our political systems. So we track not only what the political parties do, but more importantly, the billions of dollars in this enormous network of nonprofits that surround the two political parties. These are your 501c3 think tanks, 501c4 advocacy groups, names you've heard of and many more that you've never heard of. We track all the funders um, to these activist groups and how they're trying to influence politics, that we are just one light shining in in the very darkness of uh, Washington, D.C. <laughs> so this is um, a six-part series that you've put together. It's called The Left's Plans to Flip North Carolina in 2020. Um 
you make it sound, uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but you make it sound like this election is pretty important here in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> well, not to be hyperbolic, but I, I, I believe that this is this could be the last election that uh, we ever have if the left gets its way. I mean, seriously, if they're able to if they're able to win and get every last policy that they've said that they want to get, it would basically mean that your vote doesn't matter. They can they can rig it any way they want, and you'll find nothing but uh, progressives running the show from here to uh, doomsday. So is this just North Carolina? Uh, I know you guys do work, you know, all over America, but North Carolina, and, and I've been, you know, sort of uh, in this bubble for 20 years, so, like, I, I'm very aware of what's happening here, and it seems really bad here, but is 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 it really bad here as compared to other places, or are we being targeted? Well, I'll put it this way. So I, I don't um, study necessarily North Carolina politics in detail. I look at wherever the money leads me. And that usually involves following a handful of ultra-wealthy, multi-billion-dollar foundations with huge names like George Soros, the Ford Foundation, Tides Foundation, many of which your listeners would know. And I follow them to wherever they go. And what I found is there are a handful of battleground states, all of them critically important to both the Biden and Trump campaigns, that all of this money is flowing into, which, of course, should surprise exactly nobody. North Carolina is probably the most important of any of these. We found money from California and D.C.-based organizations um, that, that are working together to orchestrate a money flow into activist groups, both in D.C. and in uh, all over North Carolina, basically trying to do a I, – I, I see it as a three-part step. They wanted to influence the 2020 census, which is now behind us. Uh, they wanted to affect the the um, outcome of the 2020 election in the North Carolina state legislature. And then after that, if Democrats win a majority in the in the state legislature, they want to affect how the redistricting process would work for uh, the congressional seats. And that's all going to happen basically starting in this March all the way to next March. So we're in the middle of it right now. And I can tell you that whenever I see organizations like these foundations and donors and activist groups concentrating money and resources and people in one location, it's, it's never a coincidence. Mm-hmm. It's because they, they're, they're expecting that this is where they need to focus their attention because they see a huge possible gain if they, if they win down there. How much money are we talking about? Do you have any kind of idea on what the total investment is that the left is making to flip North Carolina? Well, it's hard to say exactly because they don't necessarily tell you where all the money is, is going. So, but what I can tell you is it's in the hundreds of millions, easily. It might even be bigger than that, but that's as much as I can tell. Hmm. What we have is groups that cumulatively are worth hundreds of millions of dollars themselves, and they, they redirect some of this money flow to kind of local branches. So there's activist groups such as um, State Voices that are located in Washington, D.C. or California. And then they have all these state-level branches in, say, Pennsylvania or North Carolina or any, any other state that's kind of up for grabs that they want to they move. Well, the problem is, is you can't necessarily follow every dollar that flows from the parent group down to the child group at the state level. What you can find is that these groups are worth tens or even hundreds of millions of dollars in North Carolina. So it's kind of this nebulous thing where you see that the left has decided um, when they choose to publish this sort of information, the left has kind of decided we're going to move as much money as it takes. And you just have to know it. That means a huge amount of money uh, moving into these places. Yeah. I think the best example of all of this would be the Democracy Alliance, if, if you're familiar with that organization. Mm-hmm. Democracy Alliance is a group set up right after the 2004 election, and it was created by George Soros as one of the, the best known people there. But it's every major union on the left, every major foundation, uh, huge mega donors, all these different activist groups. Democracy Alliance is an example of why it's so hard to trace some of the stuff, because it doesn't actually move money itself. Rather, it's actually a strategy organization. So it's a, it's a real group out there, but it basically doesn't bring any money or move any money out. What it exists to do is organize how other member groups of the Democracy Alliance will spend their money. So you may have you know, the SEIU, the Service Employees International Union, which is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. But that doesn't mean that it, all the Democracy Alliance money uh, comes from that. It doesn't. Rather, Democracy Alliance puts on conferences 
every year in which all of its major members, and these are the who's who of the left, get together and basically decide, okay, we're going to spend a million bucks here, you're going to spend five million there, and here's all the organizations we're going to support. And if you follow what those organizations they're supporting are, you find that they all lead back to places like North Carolina. Hmm. So there, so democracy, the, the Democracy Alliance, they don't write grants, they don't distribute the money, but they coordinate that, they dictate where it goes without actually controlling it, which, like, what's the benefit of that? This way you can't, you can't trace the donors to those other groups, or you can't trace the donors back to the Democracy Alliance? What's the, like, what's the, the, the tactical advantage of having that separation? I think you nailed it. I think it's a lot to do with um, obscurity, right? So there's an advantage, if you think about this uh, structurally, there's an advantage to having, let's say, 25 different organizations all putting money into the same pot, rather than those 25 putting it into one pot and then moving it into the ultimate uh, recipient. What you can have here is it can stop people like me from being able to say exactly how much money the Democracy Alliance has coordinated. Hmm. All I can say is I can take best guesstimates. I actually went through to try and get myself a sense of how big this, this organization is and um, added up all of the about 90 members um, and looked at their, their total revenues, and it's in the billions. So this is a huge pot of money. And even if though all of it's not being moved into one spot, it tells you something about the, the vast resources that are being commanded. The most important thing, though, is that there's nothing like this on the conservative side. Republicans don't have anything like this backing them up, whereas Democrats can certainly count on this sort of um, coordination and massive money flow. Certainly there's coordination on the conservative side, but not nearly to the degree, not nearly to the sophistication of what we find on the left. Why is that? It's a great question. Maybe it's because conservatives don't think like that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I mean, explaining the absence of something, why something exists. Well, I can tell you why these things came to to be, and it should give you an idea of why the other side didn't do it. And that's because after the 2004 election, Democrats were convinced that George W. Bush would be uh, would lose the election. Mm-hmm. And when they didn't, a lot of uh, leading Democrats and donors and, and um, kind of lefty luminaries, they all concluded that the reason why they lost in 2004 was because they didn't have enough coordination and they didn't spend enough money. And I don't know that that's actually true, but that was their belief. And so they set aside all of these resources to basically do exactly what they thought they did wrong. And in other words, you have this tiny minority of people, because most of the country does not think the way hardened leftists think. They just don't, um, who've convinced themselves that the only way they're going to win is if they coordinate everything to the nth degree. And they've just done doing that. I mean, for the last 15, 16 years, they've just gotten more and more sophisticated about this. Um, we see some of this in Colorado in the last decade. Colorado used to be a pretty conservative rural state, and it slowly became more purple. And people have watched now and kind of given up on Colorado as, as ever flipping back to the conservative side because it's been more or less taken over entirely by the Democratic Party. There's a reason for this. It was not coincidence. Um, the Democracy Alliance made a play to move Colorado. It was an experiment. And they actually opened up a branch of the, Col- of the Democracy Alliance called the Colorado Democracy Alliance there. And, and in the last 15, 10 years, they focused their resources on how do we get people to move here? How do we get um, how do we do issues like, I don't know, uh, marijuana, for instance, legalization? How do we find wedge issues that we can use to exploit um uh, Republican weakness in that state. And they basically made it into more or less a stronghold for the Democratic Party. Well, they're doing the same thing in North Carolina right now. Um, North Carolina is a different state. It's got a whole different set of um, of uh, issues, and, and the, the geography and demographics are different from Colorado. But they already have a model for how they flip places, and they're trying to apply it to Tar Heel State. Hmm. So, yeah, and... Um... This is for people who have paid attention to politics uh, for, I would say, longer than five years in North Carolina. Uh, it has felt like there is a uh, a massive inflow of attention and dollars uh, and uh, organizations. And so it, uh, this is nice to read through. I've read through all six parts of your series, and uh, it's nice to get confirmation that it wasn't just my perception, <laughs> that it was reality. And 
The big eye opener for I think a lot of people that were uh, that that were watching politics was the Blueprint NC uh, event that occurred. Uh, this was I guess when Pat McCrory first won. He was the first Republican governor in decades. There's only been like two or three in a century. You know, North Carolina was a was a Democrat machine politics state for over a century, and in 2010. The, the Republicans won. Tom Tillis, now U.S. Senator, became Speaker of the House here, and it was uh, largely because of uh, his efforts and the plan to flip and to flip North Carolina red, make it red. And they did so, took control of the General Assembly. Uh, two years later, Pat McCrory wins the governor's mansion, and then you start seeing this blueprint NC uh, organization. And that's, I guess, so this Democracy Alliance, uh, their connection, the blueprint NC crowd, it seems like this has been their reaction to North Carolina going red for the first time in over 100 years. I think it's absolutely right. Uh, matter of fact, Democracy Alliance, I mentioned how they have a list of groups that they recommend their members give money to. Uh, well, Blueprint NC is one of them, the very prominent one. It's part of a national uh, network of organizations called State Voices, based in Washington, D.C., but they have branches in every major state that they're looking to flip. Uh, North Carolina, obviously, is one of them. State Voices' entire existence revolves around redistricting. So we should really talk about what that means. So every 10 years, there's uh, the Constitution mandates that the, every state hold a census. And this is run by the U.S. Census Bureau in D.C. Well, the census is meant to basically see how population has grown and shifted over time. And after that's been determined, they can do things like reallocate the, the 435 um, seats in the U.S. House of Representatives between the states. And as it looks right now, the last I checked is um, North Carolina appears likely to get a gain one more congressional seat in 2021. We won't know until next year. But the last part of this is once they figure it out where the population shifts have occurred, the Census Bureau is going to release that information uh, sometime, I believe, in December or January. It's going to be early next year. And once that happens, a whole new process called redistricting happens. This is when the state legislatures everywhere redraw all the lines, all the maps for both the state legislative districts as well as the U.S. congressional districts. So it's a huge deal because you can basically determine where the maps, what the maps are going to look like mm -hmm. and where your congressmen um, as well as state legislators are going to be. You, you're, you could actually move from one uh, district to another. I had that happen to me when I was growing up in California. This happens every 10 years. We're in that 10th year right now. And so everybody probably remembers the, the 2020 census. That was about uh, five months ago, six months ago. So that's coming through. So we can expect in about six months, we're going to be going through this redistricting process. So if you take a step back, what you realize is, well, who draws the maps? State legislature. That means whoever's taking control of the state legislature in North Carolina in January, that means the people who are being elected in November, Whoever takes control in January are, are going to be the folks who are running that entire operation. It's a big deal. And what you got to remember is the left loves to call this gerrymandering. But really what this is, is um, a fundamentally political issue. How you draw lines for representation is always going to be a political issue. But you demonize it as gerrymandering when the other side's doing it and when you're not in charge of things. Right. And so what, we sh what you shouldn't be fooled by is... All of the um, all of the calls by the left, especially people at groups like the New York Times calling it Republican gerrymandering in North Carolina, what they're really saying is they want to gerrymander the maps in favor of Democrats. And you can rest assured that if the Democrats take control in November, uh, when, when in November take control in January, uh, that this is the goal of groups like State Voices, right, to basically hand control over redistricting to the left. And when you have those maps drawn, you're basically going to keep them for the next 10 years. So this is a this, the stakes could not be higher because it'll influence every election between now and 2030. My guest is Hayden Ludwig. He is an investigative researcher at the Capital Research Center, and uh, you can read his work at capitalresearch.org. Also, an affiliated website, influencewatch.org. We'll get into more of that in a bit. Now, if you're looking to get into your fall yard maintenance, then you got to take advantage of this great deal going on right now at General Equipment Rental. It's the Husqvarna Fall Sale. It is at General Equipment Rental through October 31st. Take advantage of big savings on gas-powered and battery-powered equipment. 
All right, go to generalrents.com and check out the chainsaws. They've got all different sizes for all different uh, size properties and size trees. They've got blowers. They've got saws and trimmers and lawnmowers. Um, I've talked about the uh, the robotic automower, the Husqvarna automower. It's like a Roomba, but for your yard. It runs silently. It drives all around the yard. It keeps the grass cut evenly all the time, and it takes itself home when it needs to recharge. And you pair it up with the Automower Connect app, and it's going to literally map your yard. You can check in from work. You can see exactly where it is. It even has an anti-theft technology built into it, so it's basically a huge paperweight. You can't even do anything with it if you take it outside of its boundaries. And the GPS locator will take you right to the thief. So uh, maybe you need something bigger. Maybe that's not your style. You want to go with the riding lawnmower. General Equipment Rental has incredible deals right now on riding mowers and the pro-grade stand-on mowers as well. Go to generalrents.com and get pre-qualified for 0% APR for 48 months. You can also learn about their commercial fleet discounts. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. It's at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Family owned and operated for three generations. And keep in mind, uh, maybe you just need to use a tool once for a specific project. General Equipment Rental is your source for all of your equipment needs. Okay, So everything from lawn and garden equipment to construction and Earth moving, they've got air tools, uh, compressors, scaffolding, uh, large power tools, small ones, basically everything, okay? Uh, whatever the project, General Equipment Rental has the tool you need. They are your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville, generalrents.com. Think outside your toolbox. Um. So I want so on the census issue, um, and yes, I've been covering the redistricting stuff. My audience is up to speed <laughs> on all of the redistricting. <laughs> we have gone through lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit over uh, the various state legislative districts, and then the congressional districts, and uh, you know up to this court and that appellate court, and then back to the other court, and it's just been uh, it's been dizzying. And uh, I've noted how often the uh, the rules change. Uh, based on what the litigants need the rules to be in order to affect an outcome that they prefer. Um, you know, it starts with, uh, okay, well, you can't have any more of these people in a certain group anymore, you know, too too many Democrats in one district, uh, and then you got to move them out of here, because if you don't move them out of there, then that's gerrymandering. But if you move them over into this other area to help give us a seat, that's totally fine. And I've long said fair maps to Democrats are maps where they win. That's what they mean, right? And, and <laughs> all of the rules that they try to establish are designed to that end. Um, and you said you're from California, and I think that's a, a classic example of what happened when they got control of that process and they implemented these, quote, independent redistricting uh, commissions or whatever they were, and they were completely run over by these leftist groups that created a system that now, I mean, how many Republicans are actually even elected in California? Like three? I don't even know how many are left. <laughs> And they're still blamed for all the state's problems. Right. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. This is what this is what you got to understand. I, I mentioned it earlier. Don't be afraid of calling this a political process. I mean, it's like voting. It's inherently a partisan thing. Right. Um, we can't run away from that. And what the left has tried to do is delegitimize that statement of fact by saying, well, it's gerrymandering, which is just about fairness and unfairness, because Americans like fairness. They're fair people. The, the reality is, though, is. Note the kind of people that these calls are coming from, right? State voices, uh, this Blueprint NC, these guys have gotten millions from George Soros, Tides Foundation. I mean, all the lefty groups. Um, I would point out just the census, too. There's a group called Census Counts that's, that doesn't really do much these days, but back six months ago in the spring was a big part of trying to, to get a lot of turnout for the 2020 census in North Carolina. Well, Census Counts isn't even a real organization. It's just a slick website the front for the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights. Leadership Conference is just a group that promotes left-wing policies. I've been to dozens of different uh, lefty protests here in D.C., mostly in front of the Supreme Court, kind of go undercover to cover them. <laughs> and you'll find the Leadership Conference on them. I mean, pushing things like um, President Trump shouldn't have nominated Brett Kavanaugh. I mean, they were trying to derail his, co his confirmation. Mm -hmm. So these are groups with an ideological axe to grind. They're not interested in fairness. They're interested in winning. And right now they're calling it unfair because they don't think they're winning. 
you always have to keep that that line in mind. You mentioned the independent um, uh, districts too, the redistricting commission. Yeah, this is this is part of this whole idea of using words like fairness to try and get people to vote for something they wouldn't support. There's nothing independent about these organizations. If you have what currently what exists where the state legislatures make these decisions, there's a reason why it's that way. It's because it's the most transparent way people have come up with doing. This way, you know, if the Republican Party or the Democratic Party is in charge, you know which side is going to be calling the shots. And they, they still have to come to some kind of arrangement with the minority party, but the, the point still stands. It's out in the open, and you know just who stands to gain, who stands to lose. It's a very transparent process. And we can have an election, and we, we will have an election which will determine that. But if you take that power away from the legislature and you give it into the hands of the supposedly independent group, they're basically unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats. They can make these decisions, and you can't vote them out of office. You can't punish them if you decide electorally, if you decide you don't like what they come up with. But that's kind of the point. I, I, I said earlier, it's a little hyperbolic, but it's true, I think, that the left wants to make this the last election that they ever have in North Carolina and the country. And they want to do so by creating these kinds of citizens, independent uh, redistricting commissions like they have in California everywhere. They mm. want every state in the union to have these things because they know if you take it out of the hands of the people, you don't have to bring these issues to the people. You can you can basically grease some palms and you can run it in, in, in <laughs> smoke filled back rooms. And that's how you can determine the outcome of things like your districts in 2021 instead of trusting to the voters to actually make these decisions so sure. it's very it's very cynical right because if you control the map making uh in perpetuity then it assures you uh control in perpetuity uh and uh and i think was it pro publica did the uh the expose on what happened in california um and the, you had all of these left-wing groups that were you know that created essentially fake organizations and then they would go and lobby for you know communities of interest and they knew what they were doing but one of the requirements for these independent commission members was that they couldn't have worked on a campaign couldn't have run for an office couldn't have donated any money so basically people with zero political aptitude then they put them on these commissions and they get steamrolled by partisans that people that do know what they're doing and it's like yeah you could see it coming a mile away and republicans didn't even realize what was happening until it was already done and now they're just now they're you know in the in the wilderness yeah and any attempt to overcome that means you're you're fighting intransigent um entrenched opposition that's now built into the system itself so it's not just winning elections now you've now you actually have to overcome the very institutions themselves, which are stacked against you. And you don't want that to happen. I mean, it's just it's just a mess. It's part of the reason I left that state. They've just they've ruined it. But but anyway, I mean, I would even point to other things like voter integrity laws. I know in December, uh, the court struck down North Carolina's voter ID law. Again, this, this is not a coincidence. <laughs> right. This is not a coincidence. These guys want to do this because they want to weaken elections. There's nothing democratic about this. Right. A little democratic. It's all about. How do we take control away from voters and how do we basically bring it into the hands of um, of the unaccountable? And and with the left, what you find that means more and more is how do we move power to Washington, D.C. and away from the states? Um, it's very it's very creepy. That's why I think most of these groups don't like to tell you who they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mentioned census counts. If you go on census counts website, most of the you have to really struggle to find that it's actually a website run by the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights. Because if you knew that, you might actually look those guys up and find, wait, I don't really agree with anything they say. But even if you do, shouldn't the power of to make these decisions be rested in the states that they're affecting? I do. Only if those states are run by Democrats. That's sort of the rule. <laughs> Right. That's, case, yeah. Yeah. That's what I have learned is that if if the Democrats are in control at the local level, then they want local control. But if they are in and we saw all it was really amazing to watch. Actually, North Carolina really is a, a, a good case study in this, because over the last 20 years, it went from, uh, you know, Democrat, the, the, the sort of the last 
gasps of machine politics where, you know, literally a spoils system and patronage system where you couldn't get a job in state government unless you were a Democrat. Um, and that finally collapsed due to corruption. Uh, we had a, a Speaker of the House who went to federal prison. We had a governor who lost his law license. Just And the whole thing collapsed. That whole machine collapsed and Republicans took advantage in 2010. And what happened then was you had for so long Democrats that were running the state and they were saying, we have, you know, this is a, we call it a mother may I state, uh, where anything the locals want to do, they got to ask the state government for permission and get state law, uh, to do things at the local level. Uh, and so when Republicans were running the cities, they had to go to the state and ask for all this stuff. And the state was like, and the Democrats were like, this is totally fine. We love this system. And then when it flipped, now you've got <laughs> cities that are run by Democrats. They're going to the state run by Republicans now. And now they're complaining, we want local control. We want local control. And it just it flips because whoever is out of power at the state level, they all of a sudden become, you know, this big believer in um, in local control. And look, Republicans used to sue the Democrats over their gerrymandered maps. Most of the litigation came from Republican lawsuits over gerrymandered maps, too. Yeah. And and that's why I say it's it's inherently a political process. You know, you're you're always going to have that. To a degree, so don't be fooled now. I mean, it could be the other side in a few years, but right now we we know what we're dealing with. And I mean, look, I, I'm I, my organization is officially nonpartisan, of course, so we just look at the, the the ideological sides on this sort of thing. We don't we don't take a stance endorsing anybody. But I can tell you right now, it it it's very concerning when um, dealing with networks every day like this. When I follow this money trail to guys like Eric Holder, the former Attorney General, held in contempt of Congress for the Fast and Furious scandal years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Eric Holder's heading a lot of this stuff. He created a group called the National Democratic Redistricting Committee. Democratic is in the party. Uh, that's a political action committee, PAC, funded by every lefty under the sun. And it has a, a 501c3 arm called the National Redistricting uh, what is it? National Redistricting Foundation. And all it exists to do is hire lawyers and pay them to sue the pants off North Carolina and other places. And it's it was actually one of the groups along with um, Common Cause that was responsible for so much of your woes mm-hmm. in North Carolina last year with all of the throwing out the maps over and over and over again. Um, so it's what I see is uh, coordination it, that like you've never seen it before. I mean, this is this is the culmination of decades of work. And the left, the left realizes just how big a deal this is. That's why they've got all guns turned on North Carolina, because if they can flip that, they can basically succeed in moving the, um, the battle lines that much further south. And it, it's just, it's, in, there's a lot, um, that's at stake. And it's amazing watching here from, even from Washington. I live in, in Virginia and I've watched them do some of yeah. this in Virginia. And I can tell you, they're just moving it further south. They already see Virginia as, permanently taken over and ceded basically to greater Washington, D.C. And I'm telling you, they're trying to do it to North Carolina, too. Sure. Uh, All right. More with Hayden Ludwig in a minute. First, let me tell you about Rowena Patton. She's a part of this community, and she just so happens to be an awesome real estate agent. She outsells 99% of the realtors in the state of North Carolina. She is the only agent that we called when we went to buy our house. We're using Rowena Patton, and you should as well. She's the only agent to call, buying or selling, okay? I've had good realtors. I've had some experience with not-so-good ones, and Rowena's a good one. She's a great one. Put her and the team to work for you, buying or selling. Their phone number is 333-4483. That's mountainhomehunt.com is the website. She's the only Homes for Heroes agent in Asheville. It's a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from realtor commissions to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, and educators, as well as members of the military, veterans, active duty, and retirees. Call Rowena Patton, 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and start packing. Um, I did not know I was reading the, uh, the, the part holders war. Uh, I think it was uh, part four in the series, but, um, I did not know that organizing for action, formerly Obama for America merged into that organization. You made reference to the NDRC, the, uh, national democratic redistricting committee that's run by Eric Holder. I didn't know that they had merged in and, uh, what, what is the practical impact of that? Well, yeah, this shows you how coordinated things are. Right? I hate to use that word again, but it's true. 
um, the, the practical impact is that all of the Obama campaign expertise developed over uh, two campaigns was shifted over into the NDRC. All of their mail-in lists, their email lists, their phone lists, all the stuff that you need to run a really successful political campaign is equally valuable when you're trying to get people to turn up and vote, right? Or you're, or you're trying to, um, I don't know, you know, you're trying to, to encourage people to support uh, Democratic candidates down in North Carolina. So they moved this nationwide campaign. And, and the reason they call it uh, Organizing for Action is it worked really well with Obama for America, OFA to OFA. <laughs> right. And then they spun that into, they combined it just about the time that NDRC launched back in 2017. You shouldn't be confused with NRDC, that's the Natural Resources Defense Council. <laughs> right. That's an environmentalist group, different one, but similar name. The NDRC basically took advantage of all of this you know, pretty much, yeah, like what, 12-year-old now established infrastructure that they just shifted over. And Eric Holder is not just a former attorney general. I mean, even when he was attorney general, as you remember, the man was known as an, as an out-and-out partisan. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was proudly called himself an activist attorney general. My goodness. I thought his job was just to prosecute the law. But no, he's an activist, too. And ever since leaving, leaving office, he has turned this into a full-time job. And, and they're they're very well funded. We watched them in uh, some of the 2017 um, elections, the 2018 midterms they were very active in, and they helped a lot of Democrats win back the House of Representatives in 2018. That's part of the PACs job. But I think the real effort is there's plenty of Democratic PACs out there. Their real contribution is how do they, how do they um, flip redistricting laws to benefit Democrats. And usually that means what they did in North Carolina, but they've done this in Pennsylvania too, where they will sue the, the legislature, um, accusing them of having unfair maps mm-hmm. and throw them out in court and get them redrawn. And inne- invariably it favors, favors Democrats. I'm seeing at the top of my head there, but I believe the ones in Pennsylvania, no, I'm sorry, in, in North Carolina flipped it down to about 10 seat difference, if I have that right. Um, oh, the, the, ge- yeah, the, the, the general assembly seats. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm speaking on my head with that particular number, but it made it, it made a drastic difference. And of course, what do the Democrats have to say about it? Well, they should get it down to uh, six and six. That would be ideal right. if we can just be even with them. Well, don't you have to win elections to do that? I, I didn't realize you could do that by hiring attorneys. Right. Well, <laughs> and one of the attorneys, Mark Elias, big time Democratic lawyer. Um, he's uh, he was the one. His law firm was the one connected to the Steele dossier with the Russia collusion stuff. Like th- th- these are sort of the usual suspects, right? They always kind of turn up. Um, the uh, and on the redistricting on the state races. So here's a as maybe a little bit wonky, a little inside baseball, but you can use it. It's in Asheville, Buncombe County. We have three state house districts, and they were drawn up uh, at a time when the the state forced the county to adopt district elections because it was all at large at the county level. And so a Republican lawmaker said, you know what, we want representation for Republicans as well. Um, I perished the thought. And so here are the districts. And he just made them the same as the state house districts. Well, when the maps got redrawn, it meant that our county line districts got redrawn too. And now the county commission is likely going to go completely Democrat as well. Even though you've got, you know, 25% registered Republicans here, they won't have any seats, won't have any representation on the county commission any longer. So the city will it, run the county. It's part, yeah, exactly. It's, um, it, I wasn't familiar with that case, but it, but it speaks to me the, exactly the kind of deception that I can expect everywhere I, I follow these guys, all the money trails. It's just, it's how they think. It's, they're, I find that they're, they, I don't know if they're afraid to bring it out before the people, but they certainly don't like to do that. They prefer to operate in the shadows. Yeah. Well, it's like you said in one of the pieces here as well, and you've mentioned uh, earlier, when they talk about fair maps, they're not really talking about fair maps. They're talking about maps that they get to draw. And when they were drawing the maps, they drew them to maximize their political advantage. And I, I, the real problem, as I see it, is that over time, when they, you know, when they were in charge of the process, they were following certain rules and Republicans were suing them because they weren't following the rules. So then they had to follow certain rules. And then uh, the court said, you got to stick to these. Well, then Republicans started drawing them and sticking to those rules. Now Democrats sue and they get them overturned. And what it, what results is 
I don't know how you even draw maps anymore. I don't like you've got so many rules <laughs> that are in conflict with each other because the Supreme Court keeps changing what the rules should be when you look to draw the maps. I don't know how you I, I, I don't know how you can draw it without being accused of uh, of drawing unfair maps. It's a great question. Wish I knew. I, I don't have the legal expertise to tell you, I, I, but it, it fascinates me. I, I think that the, uh, the befuddlement, they've, they probably don't care for it themselves because it complicates their job too, but I think they like it insofar as it stymies the Republican majority in the state legislature. I think they, I think they like that because it, it helps to confuse people. It helps to throw them off. And people, you know, I think if you send them reeling, as I think so many North Carolinians have felt, is it, it really helps the left kind of swoop in and appear to be like they're they're legitimate, like this is a kind of groundswell of support for, you know, so-called anti-gerrymandering legislation or, or what have you, when mm-hmm. in reality, probably most people wouldn't feel that way if it was legitimately presented before them. Well, it's, it also builds a narrative that, uh, you know, we're the anti-corruption party, right? We're fighting those people and they're taking advantage of this stuff and there's, you know, su- voter suppression and all of the, you know, the usual arguments uh, that they make. In fact, Blueprint NC, uh, so this would have been, what, 2015, I want to say, 2014, somewhere around there, when their, when that document got leaked out from one of their conferences uh, and they made it very explicitly clear, the, like these, these are the tactics. They said litigate, agitate, cogitate um and uh, legislate but they recognize that they're not going to be able to pass anything they because they uh, the republicans had won a super majority so they knew they couldn't do anything so their their stated strategy in the memo was we're just going to gum up the works right we're just going to stop them from doing anything uh and just bog them down and make them address all of these accusations and just try to uh well i mean Saul Alinsky, you know pick the target freeze it like that's that that was the strategy and everybody knew this and except apparently our media <laughs> in the state uh, they seem completely perplexed by all of these developments uh which is really amazing because they consider themselves to be the the political uh media that they should be covering this stuff, um, and you would think that they would know it at some point. Um, but yeah, Blueprint NC sort of mapped this out for uh, for us as a state, and uh, it continues. Uh, and now it seems like they're even more well-funded, according to the research that, that you've produced over at Capital Research Center. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'd like to point your listeners, too, to another network they may not be familiar with and called uh, Arabella Advisors. Uh, it's a group that I've um, spent a lot of time studying, not in relation to North Carolina until I found a North Carolina connection, actually. This is a company that's based down the street from mine, actually, in Washington. And it runs a set a for-profit company. Keep this in mind. They run four nonprofits, each located at their same address. <laughs> and each of these nonprofits has an overlapping board of directors with the leadership of this company. Well, all told, in just 2018 alone, the latest year we have data for, in 2018 alone, this network of four nonprofits run by this company uh, spent $600 million, almost all of it, on elections. Now, this is nationwide stuff. But what we found is the Democracy Alliance we talked about earlier, they've actually opened business with Arabella's network. So they directed some funding into a set of these, um, we'll call them little funds, run by the Arabella nonprofits. And a lot of that money moved into North Carolina to target minorities in particular. They had a whole list of categories, but basically groups that they thought were likely targets for um, supporting Democrats. And they, they targeted these, these groups, these constituencies, um, both for the 2020 census and they're targeting them again for the election. We know they did this in the 2018 midterms. So this is they're moving money in a way that they don't want you to see how they're funneling it from any source imaginable, every source imaginable, down into North Carolina. And the creepier thing to me is that I'm used to seeing Arabella operate nationwide. Well, they just opened, they announced they're opening a new office down in, I believe, the Raleigh-Durham area. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they're now making a permanent presence in North Carolina. And that tells me that they don't necessarily expect to win everything in 2020 but even if they don't even if they got what they wanted in 2020 and they want a, a huge majority in the in the legislature they're expecting to be here permanently they want it they want to move operations down to north carolina and basically make it the beachhead for the next assault into whatever state that comes next tennessee so they're, south they're already, carolina yeah 
One wonders. Yeah. One wonders. They're already planning for the next uh, the next war, I guess you could say. Yeah. My guest is Hayden Ludwig. He is an investigative researcher at the Capital Research Center, capitalresearch.org. Winter is coming. Time for cold weather gear and clothing is almost upon us, and that means you got to get to Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They've got military-grade thermal underwear in all sizes and wool sweaters, military field jackets in solid green and in camouflage, wool and fleece toboggans, wool socks, Gore-Tex jackets. Old Grouch's has everything you need for the winter, uh, whether you're working outside or going hunting, this is heavy-duty, warm clothing for a lot cheaper than you're going to find at most outdoor stores. Also, build your emergency kit for your car, for your vehicle. Uh, you do it now, and this way, God forbid you ever need to you know, dig out after sliding off the road or something, you're going to be prepared. You'll have a shovel to do it. you got warm clothing and blankets. you got emergency rations. Bags or ammo cans can store all of it and look pretty cool while doing so. Backpacks as well for the kids, military-grade backpacks. They're going to last a lot longer than those cheapy ones from the big box stores. Ammo cans as well, all sizes, great for storage or ammo or tools, whatever you need it for. Uh, by the way, no more body armor. He's out of the body armor. Um, all four of his suppliers are on 6- to 12-week back order. So if that tells you anything about the state of things, also, tons of real U.S. military surplus. For more than three decades, Old Grouch's Military Surplus on Main Street in downtown Clyde. The shop is open Monday through Saturday across the street from the anti-aircraft gun at oldgrouch.com. So um, I, I am, I, I am kind of curious, is, does this explain why, because your, your report documents like so many of these different groups, and it just seems like a lot of them just pass money back and forth to each other, like you know, I donate to you and then you donate back to me. I, I don't understand why that occurs. Is there any explanation you can provide? It's not necessarily that way. The way I like to conceive of these groups is you kind of got to think of it like um, money flow like a river. So you have your upstream groups like foundations, like the Ford Foundation. And this is just where the money appears, right? Mm -hmm. Soros is the best known of these guys, but there's many of them. And that money flows down from organizations that basically exist to give money to other groups, like the Ford Foundation. It flows downstream to groups like, like even my own, right, mm -hmm. that exist to, to use that money to do things with. In this case, we're talking about numerous activist groups that just pay an, a legion of people to go out and pressure and lobby and do all sorts of different things. So in the census, what that usually meant was um, paying huge numbers of people to just carry clipboards around and basically knock on doors and say, hey, have you filled out the census yet? And because the Census Bureau has really weird laws about this, 501c3 nonprofits, like the one I work for even, we didn't do this, but, the, but every C3 in America, you can actually help the Census Bureau, help the Census Bureau to fill out all the census information everywhere. And so what that meant is they, they thought, wow, we can boost turnout for the census in all the places that we would want it to, so the inner city, we, that means we can downplay the rural areas and the suburbs where Republicans might get some board, right? And we can, we can boost it among non-citizens, that is illegal aliens living in these places. And so, of course, that's huge in California where they have an, an, the biggest, uh, one of the biggest illegal alien populations in the United States, mm -hmm. right? But it's true everywhere. And it's not that we oppose an accurate count in the census, far from it. Rather, though, you can see how even something good like getting an accurate count in the census can be warped in order to favor the Democratic Party, to, to boost turnout in places like Charlotte, right, in places like cities where they, they're more likely to get an advantage over the rural area or the suburbs. Yeah. That's not necessarily the problem itself. It's that it sets that up for the next wave of organizations who take the same funding to then use all this legion of activists to get everybody registered to vote and then bust them to the polls or, or inspire them to go vote or whatever. And the way the rules work is as long as you're not saying, well, you need to go vote for XYZ candidate or vote for this party. As long as you just say, hey, you need to go vote, right? Uh, you can do that as a nonprofit. So they get these tax deductions to go do this stuff. And, and I, I want to stress, too, it's not that we oppose voter registration or an accurate sense, of course we don't. Mm -hmm. Rather, you need to understand how the rules that are there to maybe naively support genuine charitable causes, like helping people get registered to vote so they can vote, 
perfectly fine. They're being manipulated by a political machine that's got virtually unlimited resources to draw from. So that's that's my whole point is there's there's nothing in my knowledge. And I've looked. I don't see anything like this on the conservative side. Whatever conservatives are fighting back with, it's not this well-oiled machine that's churning out legions of people to get you registered to vote and to make sure you get to the polls on November 3rd to support their candidates. It's just there's it's it's amazing. It's night and day. So your work is at the Capital Research Center, capitalresearch.org, but uh, you're also, uh, you do work with influencewatch.org. What is that? Influence Watch is our sister website. Mm -hmm. It's completely run by Capital Research Center. I'm one of the guys who runs it. Influence Watch is meant for anybody and everybody who's got a question about any of the groups we just talked about. And I mean, we have pages on close to 8,000 organizations. We follow the money wherever we go. So for instance, if you want to learn about Blueprint NC, we have a full profile. It's really good on there. And you can see everything they've done. Um, you can see that document that was on Earth you mentioned earlier about uh, agitate and cogitate. Mm-hmm. We have that on there as well. You can see all the funding and where it comes from, for, from, say, the Reynolds Family Foundations in North Carolina. We've charted all of that stuff. Uh, Mapping the Left is another good tool run by the Civitas Institute down in North Carolina. This is like that, but we go even broader. We, we have them everywhere. So about 7,500 groups, and all of this information is publicly sourced. We want people to use it. Uh, we're trying to get the word out that this is a tool for anybody to just follow the money wherever it leads. And it's not just North Carolina. It's not just um, e- even these kinds of groups. Um, one, of, one of the things that I've looked at a lot is a group called the Eco-Right. These are supposedly environmentalist conservatives. Hmm. But what it turns out is that they support global warming policies using funding from left-wing foundations but they call themselves conservatives. Hmm. And if you just looked at them, you might not know that, except that they're all funded by San Francisco liberals. (laughs) Go figure. So we do things like that, expose what's not clear and what the media doesn't report on. And it's an extension of of our work. Well, I appreciate you spending so much time with me today. Hayden Ludwig, investigative researcher at the Capital Research Center. That's capitalresearch.org and influencewatch.org. Thanks so much for your time. Great talking with you. Likewise. Thank you, sir. Alrighty, so uh, you know how important your website is to your business right now more than ever. So you needed to turn up in search engine results. You want it to look good. You want it to look professional, clean, user-friendly, not just for your customers, but also for you. And while you know a lot about your business, you might not know a lot about website design and maintenance, but you know who does? That's right, my friend Schaefer Smith. At Schaefer Smith Design, great design can solve a lot of your website's problems. So uh, call Schaefer Smith, professional services, corporate, small business, and entrepreneurs. Schaefer Smith can help you. He's helped countless others with graphics and photos and online stores, search engine optimization, website maintenance and security. He did my logo, for example. He can do yours. Go to SchaeferSmith.com and get the most out of your website. That's SchaeferSmith.com. All right, so tomorrow's podcast, we're going to be going in-depth on uh, the latest developments with the Board of Elections. Now the National Republicans are getting involved in this case after the National Democrats sued the Board of Elections and got this, quote, consent agreement. This has been unfolding over the last week or so. North Carolina lawmakers and voters and uh, a congressional candidate have all now backed a federal lawsuit to stop the deal that the Democrats attorney, Mark Elias, crafted with the Democrat appointed Board of Elections, who was represented by the Democratic attorney general, who, by the way, gave the keynote speech in 2018 to the litigants, to the, the plaintiffs in this case. He was their featured speaker. Okay, the lawsuit that the Republicans have now filed seeks a temporary restraining order against this scheme. And um, when they were confronted uh, with this accusation that this was a collusive agreement, the attorney general, Josh Stein, called all of these concerns, quote, noise. House Speaker Tim Moore put out a press release uh, saying that the 1 million North Carolinians requested their absentee ballots and over 220,000 so far uh, have returned them. And now we've got this order right in the middle of this ballot counting going on. Uh, The election is already underway and the Democrats are still suing. So we're going to get into all of that tomorrow. That's a wrap for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Thanks for the support. We'll talk with you later. Thanks so much. And don't break anything while I'm gone. 